Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode 39, entitled The Traitor Among Us, in which I'll be examining issue number 33. Please stay tuned. So before we dive into the creative team today, I do want to take a moment to talk about uh, the previous episode, issue 32, and um, in particular, uh, Danny and Ileana's attempt to teleport to Cairo. Uh, when, When Danny does this, when she teleports them to Limbo and then back to Cairo, Egypt, she's able to get them to Egypt and Cairo, but it's, instead of, uh, just shifting in space, she shifts in time as well. And she shifts way back in time. They shift backwards in time and end up in the New Kingdom era of the Egyptian in Egypt. And uh, so this is a long time ago. And like I depicted, they run from some guards and they're rescued or aided by uh, the great, great relative of Aurora Monroe, also known as Storm, and her relative's name was uh, a Sheikh. And, um, yeah, at the time I recorded the, that episode, I didn't realize there had already been, somebody had actually done a one-shot that depicted Ileana's and Danny's time in Cairo, back in the time, back in time, their time with a shake. And, uh, turns out like I'm telling I'm telling you this now because I want to make sure that the readers, you, you, you all know, or you listeners all know, um, that there is a one shot issue. It was part of the magic or mystic arcane, arcana, mystic arcana put out by Marvel in 2007. That was a four issue run. Um, the first issue focused on Ileana and Danny and, the next issue was the Black Knight. I think Wanda's one of uh, the Wanda and uh, I'm not remembering the last one. I just looked at them. Uh, Brothers Grimm, maybe I can't remember uh, off the top of my head uh, who the last one was. But all of these characters each have their own one shot in this four issue miniseries uh, that Marvel put out. And Ileana, like I said, is one of those. And so what that does, it was written by Louise Simonson, and she covers that time frame. What occurred in Cairo, Egypt, when Danny and Ileana went back in time. And I'm not going to talk about that today, other than I just wanted to point that out to you listeners. Uh, It's Mystic Arcana. 2007 was when it was published. Uh, It is available on Marvel Unlimited. So you can read that entire run, or you can just read that issue uh, if you'd like. And at some point in the future, I will try to... Uh, my my goal is to wrap that into uh, a miscellaneous episode where we cover just these oddball issues um, and kind of tie them back into the continuity that I've already kind of covered. Because um, there are some other stuff we've missed um, as I've gone through this. I'm doing mostly just one through 100 and kind of skipping places where we deviate unless it's really vital to the story that we talk about it. Um, and so I'd like to go back and do some of those like guest appearances and one shots and all those and just and, and cover them and talk about them and really and really bring them into the into the mix. Because like I, I know for me, when I'm digging through back issues and I stumble across characters I like as guest appearances, I snag them. I grab them right up and I read those. I love reading those. When I was a kid in the comic book store buying issues <clears throat> once a month or bi-weekly, I did the same thing. I'd see, like, I loved Wolverine. I collected him pretty heavily and I was a child of the 90s. Guess what? Wolverine was everywhere. He still is to a large degree. So it's like I was grabbing those like crazy you know, and so that's the same here. Now that I'm older and like New Mutants has become the books that really I coalesce around, that I just really am drawn to, like that's what I do. I see New Mutants characters, I see um, 
those books, them and guest appearance slots. And I snag those books in, in the dollar bins or back issue bins. The same can be said, like, my collection pretty much at this point is, uh, it's all Marvel for the most part, unless there's something DC cover or something that just jumps out at me. But like I said, it's mostly Marvel, and it's pretty much mutant-focused. So anything that has mutant tie to it. So I like to try to grab Beast issues of Avengers or The Defenders because it's got Beast, Warren Worthington, Angel, and Iceman all, all in that group. That's a bit of a side, though. Uh, let's come back. I'll focus back to what we're talking about. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I'd like to cover some of those oddball issues in, a, in, an, ep, in an episode down down the road. Uh, but for now, I do want to get get it, get us back into the New Mutants, issue number 33, Against All Odds. So, let's dive into the creative team. Um... Our creative team today consists of Chris Claremont writing, Steve Leliola uh, on pencils and inking his own work. We have Orzacheski, uh and Bahalis, um, his wife, I believe, uh, pen, uh, lettering. Glynis Oliver is our colorist, and Nascenti and Shooter are still editing the book. Um, yeah, so that's the creative team. It really has not changed at all from the last issue. Um... Now, I know Leliola, for some people, he's not everybody's favorite. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I think there is a bit of a letdown here, if I'm honest, from Zinkevich. I know I, I kind of bemoaned um, that last arc that Zinkevich paired with uh, with uh, Chris Claremont on for New Mutants, and... Uh, I talked about it and wished it was more than it was. That was just kind of my take on that. Um, but here, Leliola, I, I, there's moments I really enjoy his artwork. Uh, but there's times where, yeah, like, I, I think, you know, especially with, like, Warlock, what we see from Zinkevich is just so... Uh, is I, I definitely prefer that. I don't want to say better because I don't know that that's entirely fair. I think it's a tough comparison. I think what we had was Zinkevich basically coming into a book and saying, okay, comic industry, I'm going to turn this on its head. I'm going to freaking really push the limits and boundaries, and I'm going to really see how far I can take take this medium and push it in terms of artistic style and what he's putting on the page and that's the shoes that Leliola, who's, let's be honest, he's a fill-in artist here. He's stepped in and is doing an arc with Clarice Claremont. After this arc's done, he's going to be off the book. We're going to get a mix of other artists coming through. So I think that's that's a tough, tough, tough job to take up. And I think he's done a really good job. I, I honestly don't mind the art. I think it's pretty, pretty solid. Um, consistently through this book, it's gotten very good, very good, very solid artists, and that helps a lot. Anyways, let's not delay any longer. Let's not dilly-dally here. Let's dive right in to Against All Odds. So our issue opens with a splash page, and I guess most of the issues do, and maybe that's to be expected, but this, this splash page... Uh, is pretty much dominated by one silhouetted image, and it's Karma. Uh, and she she is uh, gluttonous. She is sitting on what appears to be a throne in some sort of palace. But through the narration, we find that she is, in fact, in Cairo, and uh, she's in a place, this is called, it's the nightclub called Pharaoh. And she's its owner. And also, we discover through narration that she is the master of Cairo's underworld. Um, and she is flanked, as we see in the next panel, by the new mutants that she possesses, uh, has possessed. Um, Rain Sinclair, Sam Guthrie, Amara Aquila, and Doug Ramsey, and Roberto da Costa. And before her is the dance floor, and there's a bandstand, and people are 
eating, drinking, and dancing and seem to be enjoying themselves. Now, this is karma's domain and where she entertains herself. And she spots this young, lovely couple, uh, the Sullivans, Phil and Dale. And Dale's this young, attractive woman, brunette, and they, this couple, they're dancing on the dance floor and seem to be having a wonderful time. And Karma decides she wants to, to toy with them. And so she has Sam Guthrie approach the couple. And he pretty much steals the woman, Dale, away from her husband. And he protests, Phil protests, but Sam... Um, Dale, uh, sorry, Sam and Dale both uh, tell him, hey, you know, she's not your, you know, this lady's not yours, you're a chump, get out of here. And Dale, his wife, agrees. Now, Karma is just delighted with this man's sorrow. Um, um, he, she just is revel, reveling in his his anguish and pain and it's just it's what she strives for this is what she essentially is living for at this point and phil as as he's watching on looking and, and watching uh sam guthrie dance with his wife he tells her tells sam to let her go and sam turns and his face is just uh evil, evil looking. And, um, he says, make me. And we get through from Philip's thought bubbles that he, he's terrified of Sam. He, the look in Sam's eyes tell him that he's willing to fight to keep Dale. But not only that, that if he beats Phil, that he'll kill Phil. Um, and he's being chided this whole time by his wife. She's telling him that like a man should stand up and protect what's his and just continually taking shots at him. And Sam agrees with him or agrees with Dale. So Dale is, is Phil's wife. Um, and he says, true enough, darling, unless he's figuring you weren't worth it. And she asks him, What? And if you ain't good enough for him, you ain't good enough for me. And at that moment, he begins laughing and karma releases her hold on Dale and Dale's horrified. She doesn't remember that she was possessed. She just remembers all these horrible things that had just occurred and the horrible, hateful things she said and did to her husband. And Karma and the new mutants that she possesses all look on in laughter while Dale collapses to the floor. She is completely distraught. She doesn't know what to do. And everyone in the Pharaoh Club, the patrons, they watch on. And they know that this is just part of the floor show. But And, and some of them are really grateful that this didn't happen to them. Others wish that Karma would toy with them. So apparently people that are regulars at the Feral Club, they come looking for this. This is the thing they want. They love seeing this drama, drama that karma creates, the damage and the chaos and the hatred and the vitriol that she creates. That's what people are here for. And karma, she says, wonderful. I've inflicted the kind of wound that rarely heals. Their love will turn irrevocable. Irrevo- irrevocably into something foul, which will, in time, with luck, utterly destroy them. And Karma is just basking in this moment. She knows she has just crushed this couple, and this is what she revels in. This is what she wants, and this is what she gets. As Karma revels in the emotional trauma she's caused this young couple, she realizes, she senses a presence in the room, and she parts the has a park, orders the, the crowd to part, and there stands Storm Aurora. And 
they have fought before. Like karma is well aware of storm. And it's different than what we would have expected from karma having been a new mutant and knowing who storm was like through that association. No, this is different. This, this is a darker, almost more vitriol hatred of storm. And she asks storm, um, in this scene, I should talk about this scene before we go further. Actually, sorry. Uh, that was really abrupt and weird, but, uh, this scene, it screams, uh, just like, um, the gladiatorial arena reminded me of the Rancor battle Luke Skywalker had uh, in Return of the Jedi. This scene here reminds me of Jabba's palace and Jabba the Hutt when he's sitting on his throne and he has the chain uh, connected to uh, Princess Leia and her um, slave girl costume, right? This, this scene here reminds me of Luke Skywalker strolling in and confronting Jabba the Hutt. That's what this scene screams to me uh it's return of the jedi all the way and we get storm acting to the t as luke skywalker right coming in and and really confronting uh karma here and karma she for her part asked storm hey have you you know white hair calls her white hair which is something that's odd and i want to touch on this too before i continue sorry uh but white hair it it's almost it remind what this reminds me of are culturally insensitive Native American movies. Uh, oftentimes, uh, the broken English that is used by Native Americans in those movies, and oftentimes these old westerns are uh, not even pl- these Native Americans in these old westerns aren't even being played by uh, Native American actors. They're often played by white actors in uh, you know with essentially colored blackface uh you know uh just a different color coloration to depict the native uh skin tone and that's what this reminds me of very much a broken english and i don't know if this is like the intent here was that it's karma speaking or if this is the another thing which we are just about to talk about karma's uh as storm points out she knows who karma is this isn't karma there's something else here. There's another presence in karma that has control of karma and storm knows who it is. And she is here to stop this presence. We might as well talk about it. I was going to wait for the big reveal, but I think we all know anyways, the, the being that's controlling this, this entity that's controlling karma is the shadow King. We've talked, I probably talked about this way back in issues six and seven when it first appeared that karma was hearing a voice speaking to her it was the shadow king then and that's the force that's the entity that took that's that's taking control of karma she is essentially the host for the shadow king and she is doing what the shadow king likes to do which is just cause freaking disharmony and horror and torture amongst people that's kind of his shtick at this point um and so storm has had a past, um, and I'm not going to get into that. She's had a past. She's She used to be a thief in Cairo, and at this point in continuity, she is no longer, she's been depowered. So this is after Life Death 2, or Life Death um, with uh, Barry Windsor Smith and Uncanny X-Men. So <clears throat> Karma is, or Storm is depowered. This is just a human version, a pretty kick-ass human version of Storm. And She's here, and she's confronting uh, karma. And I'm just going to read her quote, what she says. Uh, Storm says, after karma asks if Storm will join uh, forces with, with karma. And Storm replies, you know why I'm here, obscenity, as I know how, who and what you truly are. And like I said, it's the Shadow King. So with that, the denial, the refusal of of joining forces and the threat that, that storm is here to free these innocents from, uh, the shadow King's possession. Karma orders her minions, her enthralled minions, slaves, the new mutants to attack. And Sam's the first he rockets, uh, he, he rockets in as cannonball and his, his, uh, mutation is to ignite 
his legs into flames and it propels him through the air. He's invulnerable when he's doing this and Storm knows this. And she's all she has is essentially uh, a mutant without mutant abilities and a bow staff. And she uses her knowledge of Sam and how he's been training uh, in the danger room to sidestep him and faint. And there's Ileana and Ileana slices through him with a soul, with her soul sword. And Karma doesn't know who Liliana is. She's not ever had uh, any contact with Liliana. That's the beautiful thing. So this ruse works. Karma is expecting this slice to do harm, damage, to really injure Sam, which is, I think, a little odd because Karma also should know that Sam's pretty much invulnerable when he's blasting. I mean, it's not like that's been a secret. So that's that's a minor hole. Um, either way, the shock of this moment, the sword swiping through Sam's body, even though it does no harm to Sam because it's it's it only does it only works on things that are mystical and magical or in the limbo realm. Um, it's not going to do anything here except for. Uh, shock karma and this shock causes Sam to fly out of control and he crashes Um, the next to join the fray is Wolfsbane and she she becomes her wolf form so Rain Sinclair becomes a wolf form and begins hunting after Liana and Liana dives runs into the crowd uh, and Rain follows but is quickly notices Danny she catches her scent, and Danny goes down to her knees and puts her hand out and offers it to Rain. And Rain realizes who it is, and Danny opens her psychic link, her psychic rapport with, with Rain. And that's an opening that the Shadow King, through Karma, is able to utilize. Uh, Karma notices this and is able to begin to begin to try to take control of Danny. And Danny can't break the psychic link with Karma and or with with Rain. But Rain, who's been fighting this, this ever since Danny showed up, Rain has been really fighting the control that Karma has on her. And she is able to revert to her human form, which severs their psychic rapport. And that allows Danny the moment to to lash out with her mutant ability, which is to project images of uh, images from someone's mind, something that's on that person's mind. It could be a great emotional thing. Uh, in this case, it's fear. The thing that the entity, that karma, that the Shadow King fears the most, and it's a giant image of Charles Xavier. It looks as it looks like the astrally projected Charles Xavier. Um, So that hints to the battles that have have occurred between the Shadow King uh, and and Xavier. This breaks, this this distracts uh, Karma, who's who's railing in fear, Uh, and they take this time. uh, Danny and Rain take this moment to run. Now this illusion only works so long because. Again, Karma is aware of who these guys are. She knows the new mutants. She's worked with them. She knows this is an illusion. She's able to shake off the effects pretty quickly. So as as Danny's getting rain to her feet and they begin to scurry towards an exit, the, the crowd blocks their path. So Karma's possessed the entire crowd in the Pharaoh's club and has them blocking the door. And Danny and Rain quickly begin to run the opposite direction and the crowd begins to lurch after them they remind me of like the walking dead zombies in this this panel like they almost look as though their bodies are lurching uh and maybe they're not full running at full speed maybe they're only able to lurch because there's so many that karma's trying to bring under her thrall that she can't have them move fluidly and quickly uh any either rate whether they're running full speed or not the mutants danny and rain are able to keep ahead of the crowd and there's a running warlock who had been essentially i guess masked himself as carpet on the ground or a panel on the wall uh yeah as a rug uh he he begins to morph he he becomes like a flying carpet and he takes the two young ladies up into the air he wraps them up and becomes this like uh, black mini blackbird is kind of what it looks like, and he smash flies through the room. He says bye now to Karma, and Karma is pretty upset. 
and tells them she will have her revenge as they smash out the window and fly off. They've made their escape. Um, and I assume that uh, Ileana and Storm probably ported out uh, via via a stepping disc. Um, either way, they've escaped. But Karma, she knows she will have her revenge. She will uh, get them. She, she, this, this battle may have been lost, but she will win the war. Elsewhere, and late, a little later, the group consisting of Storm, Danny, Rain, Ileana, and Warlock regroup in a Cairo neighborhood that, according to Warlock, Storm used to live in. And this is really um, kind of a step back uh, into Storm's past. We, are, we, the reader here in New Mutants, are going to learn a little bit more about Storm and who she is and how she came to be. We're going to get a little bit more of her backstory here. And this kind of all fits in with what's happening with her character in the greater X-Men universe. She's lost her powers. She's had to redefine herself other than being a goddess of the weather. Those powers are no longer... She can't control the weather. She can't control the wind or the rain. And so she's had to redefine herself. And she finds herself to be strong and capable even without her mutant abilities. She still is a formidable foe, but she is also... Define. She's not singly defined by her mutant abilities, um, and we're going to find that out in this this bit of this story arc here. So as as the group, uh, Danny Rain and uh, Warlock, make their way back and land on the roof, I assume of this this home in this Cairo neighborhood. Danny, she's really working on trying to comfort Rain because Rain is shook up. She doesn't have any memory of anything that's happened since they were in Madripoor. So once she was under the influence of karma, she only she has no memory of what really happened. Um, she doesn't know how she's gotten to Cairo or how she got dressed in the this green, elegant green dress she was wearing. But she does know she feels really quite dirty inside. And as this is going on, Warlock, he kind of becomes Warlock. Uh, this is a gag that's going to be repeated time and time again. Uh, Warlock transforms first into this bunny thing, uh, this fluffy bunny, and <clears throat> tells Rainy, Rain not to worry about you know how she's feeling, and then turns into a puppy and licks her face, <clears throat> and... Uh, You know, he just is trying to be a friend, a good friend. And Rain begins to cry. He licks her face and she cries more. And Warlock's is confused why best friend leaked moisture from ocular sensors. Self was merely trying to clean it off. And Danny says, you did fine. But leakage has increased, according to Warlock. And he's kind of leaning away bashfully, uh, embarrassed and, and sad. And Danny says, trust me, as she hugs Rain. So uh, Warlock, he's, he's a goofy, kind of zany character. And he's, he's still, I think Claremont in a lot of ways is trying to find how Warlock fits in with this team. R- remember, Warlock was a fairly new arrival. Uh, and the last arc he was in, really solidly in, he, he and Doug and Danny and Xavier and a few others were we're trying to help Legion on Mir Island. So this is the first time he's been regrouped with the whole team since that time, you know, since before they'd left for Mir Island. Um, <clears throat> anyways, Warlock's uh, Claremont's still kind of figuring out what to do. Anyways, later on inside, Rain, she's trying to clean herself up. She's taken out, she's changed her clothes. She's taken a bath or a shower or whatever. And now she's scrubbing her face and She's just trying to get herself clean, and she just keeps scrubbing and scrubbing. And, and Warlock asks her why, what, what's she doing? And, and you know, she, tell, she explains she just is trying to clean herself, getting herself clean. She feels really violated uh, and, and is trying to wash that violation, that filth out of her. Um, and they, they, you know, Rain kind of comes to a conclusion after she gets storms in her storm. Uh, soap in her eyes and Storm kind of tells her you know it's it's you're, you're as clean as you're going to get basically you're, you're fine 
Um, and they begin asking Storm some questions. Like, they, we find out, you know, as a New Mutant reader, for the first time, I think, ever mentioned in New Mutants, for sure, that Storm, she used to be a thief. Uh, I'm sure it's come up in X-Men continuity but prior to this, but if you'd only been reading New Mutants and you didn't know a lot about Storm, you find out she was a thief and that she used to run around Cairo pickpocketing and just causing mayhem. She really thought in her youth that she was the best thief there was. She was the greatest. Um, once her powers manifested, however, that's when she was pulled southwest, uh, south across Africa to her ancestral homeland. And that's when she kind of began manipulating the weather for the good of the people in Africa, trying to help with crops, and she kind of became this goddess, deity-type being. And as this conversation's going on with with Rain and Storm and Ileana, and Danny's off to the side. She's kind of off to the side uh, in in almost like a hallway, Um, and she's looking at this elegant green dress that Rain was wearing. She holds it up to her body, and she's looking down at herself in it. She's just trying to imagine what she would look like in it. Um, And and the group asks, like I said, about Storm and her powers that she, she, you know, but she lost her powers. And Storm tells them, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm just as solid and at home with who I am." And <clears throat> self-assured as I was before I lost my powers, I'm more than just what than than just a mutant. Just I'm more than just my powers, essentially is what she tells them. And as she's telling him this, she looks and sees Danny holding this dress up out of the corner of her eyes, and Danny's super embarrassed and kind of runs off. And Ror- uh, Storm, for her part, uh, tells the two uh, Danny and and Rain and Ileana, or sorry, Ileana and. Uh, Rain and Warlock that she's she's will be right back uh um after after she deals with what she, what's going on with Danny. And and Ileana pushes her and wants to make plans, but Storm says, No, you know, we will when I get back. Just this is more important. And so she follows Danny outside. And Danny feels embarrassed. She feels like a jerk. You know, she's was holding that dress up, but it was so beautiful and so the fabric was just so wonderful and you know she never she's never had she's she's she was, you know never had the opportunity to really be the bell of the ball to be the center of the attention to to she's never had the desire but lately more and more this is something that she wants she wants to be elegant and beautiful and she's scared that these you know maybe these feelings that are coming up right now maybe they're not her feelings she doesn't know if she can really trust them. And she's kind of concerned that maybe this is a in, the influence of karma. And Storm, for her part, you know, t- assures her, no, that the, this is normal. You know, what you're going through is normal. And that's the problem with the foe they're facing. The foe they're facing <clears throat> manipulates perfectly innocent feelings and distorts them and twists them into something foul. And this prompts Danny to talk about how this is really the situation that's ha- occurred right now with the new mutants being endangered. It's her fault. She sees it as her fault. She's co-leader. And when Sam suggested they do this, they go into this caper, that she should have said no. But she was looking, you know, she thought for sure they could handle karma, that they were capable of doing this, and she really just wanted the adventure. And Storm tells her, don't blame yourself. You were defeated by forces beyond your knowledge or experience. And as Danny's trying to get an answer to that question, the group's attacked. So with the attack, the roof that Rain, Storm, Danny, and everyone was on uh, collapses. And Rain is only protected because Warlock uh, wraps her up. Uh, Danny and Storm are both unharmed, but they can't find Ileana. And they're, they're... concern is met is somewhat answered fairly quickly here as cannonball has grabbed her and is rocketing her towards the wall he's going to smash her into the wall uh and warlock he sees this and he and he cushions her impact protecting iliana and catching her and in the same time he this sponginess that he's created himself into rock, you know, flings Sam off into this, to the sky. And he's, he's no longer rocketing at this point. And 
Rain, she's concerned. She he she confronts Morlock saying, you know, what have you done? And he said, Save saved I saved Ileana Ileana. You know, he's proud of himself. And Rain's like, Well, you you fool, you've you forced you, you knock Sam so high into the air and he's not blasting. He if he falls down when he hits the earth, he he'll be injured. He could be killed, you know, he'll he'll die. And Morlock doesn't understand. He just is not getting that these people that his friends his one time friends the people he was super close to that he's now fighting they are possessed they're not acting under their own accord and and he doesn't want to go save sam but storm tells him no you know you you've got to go we we've got to save sam he'll be killed it's not his decision to do this and warlock reluctantly rockets after sam meanwhile roberto launches his attack in his sunspot form and Danny she's pulling Ileana up and Ileana's okay and the two girls uh Ileana sees Roberto <clears throat> just before he lands a, a blow on Ileana, on Danny and the two girls dodge him and he falls plummets to the ground uh and and Danny's a little concerned you know that that he might be injured and Ileana's like we might have to hurt them before this is over. And Danny's not sure she can do that. She asks, you know, if, if that's what we have to do is hurt our friends, I, I don't know that we can, I can continue fighting this battle. I can't continue this. Like, what, at what cost? Karma, karma is always going to have the upper hand every time we go into battle with her because she's controlling our friends. And... At that moment, they're confronted by magma, and she has a wall of lava coming at them. And Ileana <clears throat> ports the two of them away. She, she ports Danny and herself <clears throat> away from the fight. And in a, we're not sure at this point what's happened, but she drops Danny in the the feral club right pretty much right in front of karma and karma quickly takes control of danny and karma says i knew from the first we were kindred souls and of course since danny moonstar is in my possession so too is her shape-shifting soulmate so with that possession of Danny, now war, uh, Wolfsbane, has come back under Karma's thrall. And Karma, she sensed something in Ileana, the darkness in her soul. And so she she's, hasn't been sure uh, about Ileana. And with this, <clears throat> with Danny showing up and being pretty much handed over to Karma, she's thinking maybe Ileana's her ally. Anyways, Sam has been saved by Warlock, and he brings him back down to Earth, and he's talking to Rain, and Rain leaps at him. He's shocked, and at this moment, uh, Karma take, Stu still possesses Sam. Uh, Rock has him rocket away from, you know, rocket out of the grip of uh, Warlock, and Warlock's hurt, and he's ready to to go into battle with with Sam and Rain. He feels betrayed, and thankfully, Ileana uh, has ported back to the battle. And this time, she's accompanied by Sim, and she tells him that that she wants to take Warlock back to Limbo. So the, two, the three of them teleport back to Limbo. So Ileana and the three, uh, Ileana... Warlock and Sam all teleport back to Limbo, and she tells Sim, "Hey, you're gonna keep Warlock here in Limbo, and I'm gonna go back. But you gotta keep him safe. Don't let him hurt, harm himself or anything else here in Limbo. Just you know, keep an eye on him." And Sim does as he's told. Now, Warlock, we we see with Warlock and Sim is Warlock experiencing Limbo, and if you remember the magic Ileana's uh, magic miniseries. Uh, where she is aged up to the 14-year-old girl that we're familiar with, Limbo's a pretty freaked-out, messed-up place. And the first thing that Warlock notices here as he's walking around with Sim, 
and Sim's kind of giving him some details about the situation, um, is the skeleton, skeletal remains of Colossus. And so, you know, Sim explains, essentially, I'm just going to read what Sim tells him. Sim will make everything clear as crystal. You see, this is where Ileana grew up. Place used to belong to the Dark Lord Magus Belasco till Blondie kicked him out and took over. Sim figures Ileana switched sides and joined Fatso. And Warlock is just doesn't understand. He doesn't get this. this. This behavior isn't normal for Ileana. That's not consistent. And Sim, ta- as I said, takes him to the skeletal remains of Colossus and says, the heck it is. You don't know the boss like Sim does. And Sim suggests you don't step out of line or you may end up like her, big bro Colossus. All the X-Men are here. Wolverine, Kitty Pride, Nightcrawler, Storm, they came to free Ileana from Blasco and died in the process, some of them at Ileana's own hand. And we get this great freaked out panel of Warlock. It's got the square eye, a round eye, and this mouth just gaping, and there's just lines everywhere. It's yellow, the whole panel. And the word no is just etched black letters. And in the O of the no, we get another small face screaming, um the realization has sunk in and and sim is convincing warlock that iliana is no longer um working to save their friends meanwhile iliana has teleported back to cairo iliana as i said teleported back and she's quickly confronted by rain and danny and the two of them are both obviously under Kama's thrall and iliana knew that she she expected that that's my read on this situation. It almost appears as though she didn't, but I think she knows what she's doing here. And, I mean, obviously she does. It wouldn't make sense otherwise. Anyways, she is surprised that Danny's speaking to her, and it's Karma's voice coming through. So Karma is is seeing Ileana through Danny's eyes here. And she's really appreciative of, of the dark child, Ileana, having returned rain to the fold but also giving her Danny and she karma offers her partnership a friendship to work together and Ileana says that sounds great and karma's response is I'm so pleased I would much prefer to have you as a partner than a slave um and karma also had mentioned that they were kindred souls and this kind of sends Ileana into a, almost a tailspin, a momentary like lapse in confidence. Because um, she feels that part of her is evil. Part of her soul is corrupted, and she feels that evil, that, that the evil nugget, that evil half inside of her. And it, it wants to join karma. That, that evil side of her wants to join karma. And she, it's taking everything she, she can do to, to not give in to that. And, and what we kind of realize in the scene, it's, it's not explicitly stated, but uh, Ileana hears this wolf, a wolf's howl, and that's rain. And she realizes rain's caught the scent. Um, and the whole point is that Ileana's turning over all the new mutants because, like Danny had said, the only way that they can beat Karma, they can win this fight, is by hurting each other. And if Karma confronts Storm, they'll have to kill Storm before she'd ever allow Karma to possess her. And that's the case with so many of these these characters they would die before they'd be possessed or they'd end up hurting their friends and Ileana's trying to limit collateral damage she doesn't want anyone to die and she's feeling confident enough that she can take the situation head on and find a solution without anyone dying meanwhile as I stated the group of new mutants has tracked down storm and in fact they have they all surround her and they 
go in to, they all attack. And Bobby's taken out really quickly. Storm has that quarterstaff and hits him in the gut. And Bobby tumbles over. Uh, Cannonball rockets at her. And she, again, uh, uses part of her cloak to uh, basically wrap him up. And he smashes in the wall behind her, which is essentially an aqueduct or something it anyways it opens a hole in the wall and floods water out it's swamps magma and cools off her meanwhile danny has the upper hand so she thinks uh karma who possesses danny uses danny's abilities to pretty much put uh storm in what looks to be like a coffin and it's super cramped super tight and the hope by the Shadow King, Karma, whoever you want to call, say is the big bad here, is that Storm won't be able to handle this. She's claustrophobic, and that this tight space will pretty much render her weak and useless. But Storm, for her part, she is a badass. Remember, she doesn't have her mutant powers here, and she overwhelms, easily handles the new mutants here. Um, <clears throat> and here's what she says as this this illusion begins to to overwhelm her as she breaks free and tackles Danny knocking her and rain back she says fear is a creation of the mind mirage as are your spirit form illusions they only have the power over a person if one allows them to and she grabs her uh her her staff her bow staff and runs off and rain gives chase and with the bow staff, uh, Storm basically pull votes on top of the roof and is base is out of the the reach of rain uh, momentarily. As rain quickly transforms into our transitional wolf human form and jumps up to the roof, just in time to see Ileana porting Storm away. But where is she taking her? And you probably guessed at this point, Ileana deposits Storm to the Feral Club. And the next we see Storm, she's walking out in this white, elegant dress with beautiful earrings. And she bows to Karma, saying, I thank you, my lord and master. I humble myself before your majesty and worship you with all my heart and soul. And Karma, or the Shadow King, says, I couldn't have said it better myself. And Ileana, the next we see her, she's back in limbo, and she's looking into the scarring pool and seeing what is taking place at the Pharaoh Club and realizes that she has deposited all of them to to karma she's giving them away and she she apologetic and hopes that they trust her uh, even though you know she she realizes she's kind of betray- she has betrayed them and it's not the first time that she's had this sort of interaction with storm you know she's she killed the the storm in Limbo way back uh, when she was first in Limbo. And she's hoping that this gamble, this big gamble, this giant risk she's taken won't end the same way. She knows if she fails, if this gambit of hers fails, or if she loses this fight, that the new mutants and Storm will be lost, you know, for good potentially. And, uh, She's not able to bask in this sorrow and this uh, dread or this this mourning moment for very long because from behind, uh, someone calls out, Traitor! And this is a great image here. We got Traitor in block print, and it's, 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 it's the face of Warlock uh, that appears across the image of the word Traitor. And... Ileana tries to calm him, wants him to wants him to allow her to explain, and he's he's had enough. He's seen so many of his friends fighting one another. He cannot trust Ileana because he hasn't been able to trust any of his friends at this point. He is so confused and unsure of 
who is doing what and who's actually who and why his friends are all fighting amongst each other. He doesn't know who to trust. And he's knocked Sim down, and in this panel, he is confronting Ileana, and he's giant. He looks massive compared to what Warlock normally looks like. He is ready for a brawl. And he doesn't trust Ileana. Uh, Sim has, has made sure of that. Uh, and that's the end of this issue. Um, the next issue is called With a Little Bit of Luck. So that's the conclusion of this episode. And um, there are some bits I really like, especially after I, I read through um, the Arcana, the Mystic Arcana issue number one um, about Ileana's time in um, the Cairo of the past where she ran around with Ashaki, um, the the great, the grand relative of, of Storm. And uh, we see some of those same traits uh, that that occur here. Louise Simonson pulled them into that uh, one shot. And, and what I'm talking about is this desire to, like, set things right, right? Set the situation, like, fix this problem that they're having with karma and save all of her friends, right? She does not, she does not want to repeat what happened to Limbo. That is her single goal, right? Like she's constantly fighting this evil darkness inside of her. She's constantly trying to keep that at bay. And she doesn't ever want to sacrifice her friends ever again to free herself, to save herself. And so we're seeing that here. And we saw that also, you, if you, if you have read or will read, uh, or, you know, read that, uh, mystic arcana issue number one in the future, you'll see the same, uh, plot thread for Ileana. It's a fairly consistent, um, take on Ileana that, that, you know, she has sacrificed so much to free herself from limbo and she doesn't ever have to want to have to do that again. And and she sees herself at this point as being older and having more experience. And therefore she should and she has better control of her magic and all of that. She should never have to sacrifice somebody to to you know allow anyone to be harmed because she she should be able to overcome that. She has the abilities to overcome that now. And it's it's interesting because at the same time that she's thinking of herself in that light, that she has she's older and she's more experienced. Like she is, but she isn't, right? Like she has aged in limbo. She did age. She did go through that, but for in a lot of ways, Ileana's still pretty immature. She her social relationships and all that would have been stunted due to her time in limbo and her whole existence in limbo was to become this this key essentially that would let the elder gods into the into earth to overwhelm earth right and that's her whole purpose and 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 it certainly is not the sort of upbringing that's going to instill um anything of substance in terms of how you interact with another human being. Now, that being said, she she certainly did manifest mutant abilities and she has become fairly competent in terms of magic use. So she does have those skills and she did beat, defeat Belasco so that she could free herself from Limbo. So those things being said, like she she does have the capability and maybe a little more confidence in terms of you know, being able to to set things right. And and uh, that's something we see continued here. And um, I will say I, I really enjoy the appearance of Storm in this issue. Uh, and, and Storm, like, for me, this is an interesting thing, right? I, I continually talk about X-Men characters in the main books. I use their code names, Wolverine, Storm, Nightcrawler, I don't bother with their names, right? Like Scott Summers, I would just say Cyclops. I would say, 
you know, Jean Grey would be one I would name by name because that's the code name she went by in the 90s. She didn't use a code name. She didn't go by Marvel Girl at that point. She was just Jean Grey. So I, that's what I call her. So that's how I was introduced to those characters. The thing that I find super interesting is that's not the way I refer to the characters in the New Mutants book. I more often than not call them by their name, whether that's because more often than not they're called that they're called their names by one another in the book or because it's more of an interpersonal relationship, friendship book, relationships between teenagers, different dynamic would require them to interact differently and therefore I've interpreted I've interpreted what's on the page differently than I would have in a normal superhero book. Either way, I find it extremely interesting that my my instinct, I have to really make myself refer to Cannonball as Cannonball instead of Sam Guthrie or Roberto as Sunspot instead of, you know, like those examples or Ileana as Magic or Danny as Mirage. Like she's the one that's the most hard and most difficult. I have the most difficult difficulty uh, referring to her as her co- in her, in terms of her code name. Karma's pretty easy, but she's also been out of the book for a long time. So it's just something, an observation. I don't know if any of you have had similar experiences with this book or if it's just me. Um, And it may just, like I said, be because of Claremont's writing style. Uh, But it's something that's fairly interesting. Um, The more I read this arc, the more I'm enjoying it. I will say that. There's some development between characters that's pretty intriguing uh i like the backstory of storm i like the reverence and i like the message that she's giving these young mutants right like even though she doesn't have her powers doesn't mean that she's not a value that she doesn't have worth and that's a really important message especially for somebody like daniel moonstar who for a long point after you know once uh after M Day, she lost her mutant abilities, and she was just a, a human. And she's run around with the mutants for a long time, without her abilities. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of cool seeing these seeds laid here, and maybe influencing a character down the road, whether they did or didn't. That link is there. It's interesting. I really like that. I really just, I really like this book. I really like this issue. I like the story arc a lot, uh, the dynamics. And I really like Ileana and Danny working together, even though at this point they're, they're really strained, but like the point when they duck out of the way of Roberto, uh, that's another glorious moment for those two. Um, you know, those two worked so they worked so well together, uh, when they fought the Hellions to free, the new mutants, and here they are working together again. And like I said, uh, the scene where Ileana's being helped up from after she had been saved by Warlock, uh, by Danny, and uh, Sunspot, uh, Roberto, is diving at the two. Um, Ileana warns her and says, Danny, our sneaky special. And they push away from each other and essentially trip Roberto, and he falls to the ground. But like the fact that they, they, that Ileana can say are sneaky special and Danny knows what's up and she acts accordingly. These two, if, if we have forgotten, got extremely close after Ileana showed up. When she showed up uh, and joined the New Mutants after she returned from Limbo, her and Danny got really close. The demon's bear saga was occurring and Danny was training in the danger room and Ileana was there from, during that process. Uh, the two worked together um, also to rescue the team from the, the Hellions um, in a very similar operation to this, except for Ileana has sacrificed her friends, uh, essentially giving the battle, losing the battles here like Karma had referred to, right? Karma said she was, she'd lost this battle, but she was going to win the war. Ileana's losing battles in an effort to ensure that she can win the war. Um, it's, 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 it's great. I really, I really like Ileana and Danny's relationship and uh, that friendship that has developed, um, even though it's a little more strained than it has been previously. 
Uh, but yeah, it's a pretty good, pretty solid issue. And like I said, uh, next week we will finish up the story arc, um, diving into the New Mutants 34. Uh, so until then, yeah, keep reading those comics. James Explores the New Mutants is, as always, recorded in Iowa City, Iowa, and is produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are published every Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at Explore New Mutant via email at explorethenewmutants at gmail.com. Visual companions to the episodes are available on Facebook and Instagram by searching James Explores the New Mutants. Another good way to reach the podcast is via Anchor Messenger. It allows you, the listeners, to record minute-long messages that are sent directly to me. I can then place those messages, comments, questions, whatever they are, into the, directly into the episodes. So it's a really cool way for me to interact with you, the listeners. So I highly encourage it. Um, but either way, this episode's up, and next week we'll be diving into New Moons issue number 34. Please stay tuned.